And uh, as uh, maybe you, you caught even through the, the music, the, the celebration of freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, a freedom that really, I don't think we quite understand the word freedom. We, we use it in a way that we, we don't too freely um, I, I believe, you know, because we really aren't that free. We, we are conditioned to all different kind of responses that, that we respond to, whether we want to or not. We're just not free. Um, for example, this is, you know, one of the classic ones, right? Don't think of pink elephants. You know? And of course, what pops in most everybody's mind are pink elephants. And the harder you try to say, I'm not going to think of pink elephants, I'm not going to think of pink elephants, the more pink elephants come to your mind. We, we, a lot of who we are and what we're about is, is conditioned by our birth, um, our genetic makeup, our, our country of origin, our sex, our race. That, that limits a lot of things that we have freedom to do. I, it just doesn't matter who you are. You might want to jump 10 feet in the air, but you're just not going to be able to do it because of gravity. At least not on this planet and not in your own strength. But what we're going to talk about today is a freedom that is real for anyone and everyone who is in Jesus Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit. A freedom that is ours not to do what we want, but to do what God wants. We have been freed, as we've been singing, we've been freed by the cross, by the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus we have been freed from sin and death because the very God who created us and gave us life, God the Holy Spirit, lives in any and all who are in Jesus Christ. So our passage today is in Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, starting with chapter 5, verse 13, where he really outlines this notion of true Christian freedom that enables us to live and live to the full. Let's pray together. Um, Almighty God, we give you thanks for your written word. And we give you thanks for your living word that abides um, uh, within us in your Holy Spirit. So meet us in this this moment. Bring to mind the things that we need to hear um, and uh, how what you're calling us and leading us to do. What what notions and ideas need to change and and, and what actions need to be um, redirected. Um, convict us where we need to be convicted and uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. 
Live by the Spirit, I say. And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, uh, now... First, the, the, the command in this, the, the command in this whole passage is really the beginning of uh, verse 16. Live by the Spirit. That, that's that's the, the positive word that he's saying. This is everybody needs to do. We need to be living by the Spirit and, and not by the flesh. And, and remember that, that as we've reviewed um, uh, over the course of this series what it means, what the, who the Holy Spirit is. As we're getting to know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Spirit is the power of life. It's the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 and 2 who was at creation, who was hovering over the chaos and the emptiness, and He brought it together and from nothingness created life. It's the, the Holy Spirit who breathes life into Adam and Eve. He, he is the one who gives physical life. And then John 3, we looked at last, um, or two weeks ago, that uh, Jesus... Um, uh, was telling Nicodemus, you know, you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit to give us first creation and then new creation. He not only gives life to the body, but life to our spirits. That then we, we come alive and he, He's the one that causes our very relationship with the living God. And He's the one who makes us alive as a church, corporately, as a community, like we looked at last week as we looked in 1 Corinthians 12 and the gifts. He gives us all different gifts, puts us together as the master um, a conductor to say, now you are alive as a church. Or today, as we're wearing red, it's Pentecost Sunday. We looked at in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came on the church so that the church was then empowered miraculously to speak the language of the people outside the church. So that they would know him. Yeah. So we're that the spirit is the one who brings life, the one who physical life, spiritual life. And now we see it's the spirit who grants us the freedom to live in the fullness, the fullness of God's will 
and beauty and His purpose for life. It's, it's the Spirit within us that gives our spirit life and gives us the capacity to obey Him. Gives us the freedom to do what He calls us to do. To live into the fullness of life as He's created for us. That That is the... the The personality, the nature, the core of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, and it's this kind of true freedom then that that the Spirit brings can only be found in God. I mean, as we sang, it's Jesus, he crushed sin and death at the cross. He, He defeated it. It no longer has power over us, sin and death, if we're living in the Spirit. And, and that's the only way that you'll have power over death. The only way you'll have true freedom is to be in God, to be living in God. I mean, God is the only one who's truly free. God thinks and acts. He doesn't have to have a filter. Because who He is, is pure and good and right. Uh, he's the only one that's truly free. So if we are in Him, we're truly free. And if we are in Him, then we know we're freed from death. If you're not in God through Christ, then you're not freed from death. So we have this, this true freedom and even freedom in the Spirit from the power of sin over us. We're also, as, as you read in this, Free from the law. I mean, it's that kind of freedom as well. Now, what, what Paul's talking about here in the passage in, in, to the church in Galatia is that they've had some folks come in and say, you know, this Jesus is good. It's a good add-on to what we've been doing. So those of us that have been circumcised, you know, that we follow the law of the Old Testament, well, that's good, and Jesus is a good addition to that. So those of you that are now coming to Jesus, but you haven't been circumcised, you're not following the law, well, y'all need to come do this. Y'all need to come do the law. And the Spirit, um, uh, and, and Paul tells them, no, they don't. They're freed from the law. Jesus and the work of the Spirit now have have completed the law. You don't have to, to do those things anymore. Now, as we live in the Spirit, He gives us freedom to obey Him. And what we are to do now is live not according to the law, but in the power of the Spirit. In, in, in those, the days before Jesus, the law was there too, to, to set the people apart. You, you meet on this day, in this place, you wear these kind of clothes, you have this kind of haircut, you wear this kind of hat, you, you, you're circumcised, you, you do these things to set yourself apart. That's part of what the law was there to do, to set you apart as God's people. Well now, you now, you set yourself apart by living in the Spirit. By, by, it, in the power of Christ over sin and death now, you are on a journey of not living according to the flesh, but living according to the power of the Spirit and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. It will be the result of you living in the Spirit. And then uh, Paul then describes, so there, there's this, this tension, this opposition between the Spirit and the flesh. And in the person, again, thinking of the Holy Spirit as a person, 
You know, not some you know, mystical force, but of, of the person of the Spirit. Now, you're in relationship with the Spirit. You're living in and through Him. And as you do that, then fruit of His character will begin to be born in you. And you will turn away from the ways of the flesh. Because, he says, the, the Spirit and the flesh, they're the opposite of one another. The, the, the flesh is not just, you know, the meat on your bones. It's not what he's talking about. He, he's talking about there is the way of the spirit and then there's the way of the flesh. And the way of the flesh is the opposite of the spirit. And often that is tied into some of our, our wants, our desires, you know, our, our longings. And, and what, what generally we'll see as we walk through this, that the, the ways of the flesh mean that I'm about me. I'm about satisfying my desires, doing what I want. Or, or I'm just focusing on me. I'm focusing on how I'm feeling or what, whatever it might be. It's about me instead of about others or about God. That, that's the way of the, the flesh. However, however, and this, this is a, um, he, he says in here, uh, you know, Paul, Paul says that, you know, for it's what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For they're opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Now, you read that, you could read that and, and you're thinking, hmm, okay, so that means everything that I want, everything about me is bad. It's not of the spirit. Um, and, and if you would read that, it'd be easy to see why you'd read that. But I propose to you that's wrong. That's not what he's saying. Actually, I think what he's saying is just the opposite. What you truly, deeply want, what you truly, deeply long for in the core of your being is to live in the Spirit. What you long for is to find your relationship with your Creator. That's what you want and that's what I want in the depth of my being. And, and it's when we find that that we truly are free and we truly live. And so the very point of what Paul is saying here, now the flesh opposes the Spirit so that you don't get what you want, so that you don't live in the Spirit. That you're not living in the way, uh, in, in accordance with the way of the Holy Spirit. You're not living under the lordship of the Holy Spirit. That, that's what the flesh prevents you from getting the very thing that you do want. And, and on top of that, if we just said, well, I'm just, if I want it, that means it must be bad. That's just another law. And, and you see how in a cockamamie way, that's still focused on me instead of on God. Paul is not giving a command, don't live according to the ways you want. What he's giving is a positive command. No, live in the Spirit. Let the Spirit who resides within you be your guide. In a way, in this Spirit who is the power to live in accordance with God on this journey this journey of, of Christian maturity, of, of, of continuing to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. In a way, what the, the Holy Spirit is, is like your personal spiritual trainer. You know, some of you may have um, physical trainers. 
know, that, that come alongside and guide and help you in terms of your own physical exercise. You might have financial trainers or financial coaches who come alongside to give you wisdom and, and help along the way uh, in terms of your finance. Well, in a sense, your Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is your personal spiritual trainer. The, the only difference is this. A good trainer in all those other ways will help you to achieve your goals. You know, a good trainer doesn't bring their goals in. They help you to really identify your goals and then pursue them. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit comes in and says, I got better goals than you. I've got God's goals for you. So I, the Holy Spirit comes in to be your and my personal trainer who've said, you know, we're not the Lord of our lives. Jesus is, you know, we're we're not the ones who's in charge. God is. And the Holy Spirit says, OK, I am your personal spiritual trainer to guide you in the ways of God's goals for you. And, and to move you away from the way of the flesh, of, the, of the, the way that's not of God, not of the Spirit, and into the way of the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing within you. And so now he says, now, here, let me give you an example. Here, here are the manifestations of the flesh, and here is what he says, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, so starting with 19, he says, now, here's the ways of the, of, of the flesh. Now, I'm, I'm going to walk through. I'll give you a word or two, maybe a phrase, um, a paragraph around each one. But, you know, each one could be their own sermon series. So if, but if you sort of like just sort of getting a survey of them and you like the big picture, you're going to like that. But if you're really detailed and you want, now, I want to really jump into to one of these, you're going to be really frustrated. But you got the freedom to go and pursue each one of those in, in depth in, in great ways. But want us to, and, and if, if I had to summarize these first, um, the, the, these ways of the flesh, I think that's what Paul's sort of doing at the end of what we read in 26. I think it has to do, what he's saying is, if we're in the body of Christ and we're, we're, the, the fruit of the Spirit is, is alive within us, then, um, the ways of the flesh, Will, will not be in the ways of the flesh are demonstrated in the ways of competition. Not friendly, fun competition, but competition instead of cooperation. I think that's why, what he says there in verse 26. Let's not become conceited competing against one another, envying one another. I, I think that summarizes this. But let's walk through it and you can... Um, uh, get that or maybe get a better perspective on it. So now the work of the flesh are obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, and licentiousness. Now those three deal primarily with sexuality. Uh, has a lot to do with our own desires. Has a lot to do with uh, the pleasing um, ourselves. You know, it has to do with our own our own pleasure here. That, that's what the, that this is. See sexuality as about my pleasure. You know, things like pornography or masturbation that are focused on my pleasure versus me truly loving another. That, that's what, what, he's, what he's getting at here. Fornication is when we have sexual relationships with anybody else but our spouse. The one that we've said we've committed ourselves to for, for life. 
the, the li, li, licentiousness is just that, that sexual pleasure run amok. That it becomes our God. We, we do what we do in order to satisfy that pleasure. Again, it's about me instead of about the other or God. Then, then next, I, idolatry and, and sorcery. If you summarize that, it's really what we mean by magic. Where, not in a you know, magic show, but in the, the sense of magic where we leverage the, the powers, the spiritual powers for our own benefit. Yeah, that's why good luck charms or horoscopes or th- those kind of things that, that we're, what we are, are, are trying to leverage the spiritual powers for us, for me. That's the, the way of the, the flesh. And then, then the next eight, I mean, are, are in the same category um, that uh, around relationships. And I think particularly around, the, this is really where you see the sense of competition that comes out. Enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. Now, with enmity here, you see, just just hostile thoughts and actions towards others. You know, ways that we just, in our own mind, in our own thoughts, that we just think of others with hostile thoughts and and strife. Ways that we have rivals or we quarrel with one another. Demonstrates itself in jealousy. Where it mentions here both jealousy and envy. And we might think those are the same. Envy actually is where you have something I want and I envy that you have it. It might be a thing. It might be height. You know, it might be looks. Who knows? But it's what you have and I want. And so I'm envious of you instead of rejoicing with you. See, it's about me instead of you. Jealousy, on the other hand, is when there's a a third party involved. Maybe because of your height, you get the girl that I want. So now I'm jealous of that. Or because of your looks, you get the attention of my girlfriend. So I'm envious of your good looks, but I'm jealous that my girlfriend is noticing that. But you see how it revolves around me and really doesn't want what's best for the other or doesn't celebrate the other. The other one in here is factions. Um, where where we, we form our own little, what we call today, echo chambers. You know, we, we can do it in real life or we can do it in social media where we just find the people that think like we do and we get together with them and we feed our, our own conceit or we feed our, our own trouble. We feed ourselves and then we lob grenades at other people that we disagree with that whom God loves, whom Jesus died, and maybe even they have the same spirit that we have. But it, it causes factions, we, how we pull together in our own little groups. Our own different issues. And it might even not be political. It might even be around age or gender or race. 
But we let those little distinctive groups or populations become divisive between us. That's a way of the flesh. That's a way of me protecting myself, making me feel better about me. So the, the bulk of them are around those our relationships with others. And then finally, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. You know, things like these is for them all. He's not giving a full list. He's saying that this is the direction of what it means to be in the flesh. And now, interesting about drunkenness and carousing. Carousing, actually, um, a good two-word definition is excessive feasting. I like that. Excessive feasting. Because it's okay to feast. But do you do it excessively? You know, do, do we, do we find our meaning and, and purpose in excessive? You know, we, how we can go to food and drink to be our God. To be the place that we find what only God can give. There's a good place. I mean, alcohol is a, is a, a gift from God to be just like sex is. To be used in accordance with God's good and perfect will. And the same with food. All to be enjoyed as we live in the spirit. But in the flesh, they become destructive. And, and to be clear, Paul makes clear, man, uh, th- these are not the things of the kingdom of God. These are the things of the kingdom of this world. Then he says, but now, the other side. If you, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, and you're living into the, the freedom that He has brought by Jesus conquering sin and death, then this is what will be born in you. Now, the first thing to notice here is, is that this is singular. It's not fruits. It's fruit. It's not fruits are, but it's the fruit is. Whereas before, it, it, it was plural. Works of the flesh are. So you see, that's why, so it's not a matter again of saying, well, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to start doing this. No, don't, don't say you're going to stop doing this or start doing that. Instead, the, the real application here is I'm going to run to the Spirit. I need to get in touch with the Holy Spirit who lives in me because this is His character. This is, this is really saying this is how the Holy Spirit shines through you. He's the seed and it, it, it has impact on what you think and what you do. Then this will begin to be what you see. We'll begin to, to see having born in our lives a life of love. A life of love where, where we do what is best for the other to the best of our ability. God bless you. We will do for the other what is best to the best of our ability. Now, sometimes, um, you know how in your garden, you talk about fruit. Um, uh, sometimes you have volunteer plants. You know, you have volunteer tomatoes that will grow. You know, just because the tomato last year got eaten by some blasted squirrel or whatever, and the, the seeds fell in the soil, and then they grew to the next year. That you see, well, those are volunteer. And, and sometimes... What you will find, if the Spirit is in you, you will catch yourself truly with an act of love for another. You might even be surprised. 
That you, it just, just happens. The spirit works in you and you are not concerned with yourself. You're concerned with the other and you act for their good, even if it costs you something. And that's wonderful because then you can smile and laugh and just celebrate the work of the spirit within you. Sometimes it takes work. The spirit is within you. It's like, you know, the work you do with the plants you plant. You gotta get them, you gotta get the seeds, you gotta put the seed in, you gotta care for the seed, then you gotta put it, transplant it into the garden, it's gotta be, have the sun and water, you gotta keep the critters away from it so that that fruit can grow. Sometimes that's the work of love. That the Spirit's clear, you know what it is, what you need to do to care for another person. It's just in your flesh, you don't wanna do it. And you, you've got to live in the freedom of the Spirit. And that's then also a wonderful fruit of the Spirit. Love and then joy. There's a, a positive demeanor in life that is a response to God's love. It's a fruit of the Spirit within you. Not contingent on circumstances or anything else going on, but contingent on the Spirit being set loose within you. That's the joy. That's the freedom of, of joy that comes as we live in the Spirit. And, and a peace that there is a depth of satisfaction, a contentment in God's power and control, knowing that the end is sure. So you are at peace. Patience. You know, I, I think this is one of those where um, I, I like the uh, the old school words uh, for this one. Uh, and, and those of you that maybe memorized the, the passage in much older translations, the good old K, K, KJV, um, you know, it's not patience, but it's long suffering. You know, that it just it just means that that. I'm tranquil and committed and steadfast to the way of the Spirit. And that may mean that it's, it's suffering because it's not the way of the world. You know, that it may even be, be painful in some ways, but I know that it's right and the Spirit is communicating to my soul this is the right. And that's what patience is, that kind of steadfast commitment. Not hurried for results. That's patience. I'm not hurried for results. Because when I'm hurried for results, that sometimes causes me to take shortcuts. Kindness. This means I'm, I'm, I'm beneficial to those that are around me. I give others the benefit of the doubt. And then generosity, not so much generosity with stuff, but what we would call a generosity of spirit. And then faithful, just that we, we trust in God's direction. So we're faithful to him. Then gentleness, I, I liked um, this. And, and looking how this word is used in, in, throughout the, the New Testament, there is... It's a quality of not being overly impressed by the a sense of one's own importance. Not being overly impressed 
by a sense of one's own importance. That leads us to gentleness. And then self-control. Now, this is a restraint of one's emotions and impulses or desires. A restraint of one's impulses, desires, and emotions that impacts what you do and what you say. Yeah, in in some of the recent um, political campaigns, it's like people begin have have said about a number of different candidates. Man, I just love that candidate because they say what's on their mind. I'm like, whoa! Uh, I hope I never say what's on my mind. They'll get me fired. It, it would be the most selfish things I would ever say or do if I just did what was on my mind. I don't, I don't find that a really a helpful character trait even. Uh, no, no, the self-control is one that con- we control because we, we aren't interested in getting off our chest what we need to get off at the expense of others. Now, there's healthy ways to say it. We don't just keep it in. There's healthy ways to address whatever is going on within us. But it's not, it's not my place to do that at this space at your expense. And, and it's not your place to do that with anybody else either at their expense. Now, self-control, you also see this most commonly used in sort of opposite ways in sex and in athletics. And it's related to the words no and go. In one of those categories, the flesh is saying go and the spirit is saying no. In another of those categories, the flesh is saying no and the spirit is saying go. I'll let you decide which fits where. I think it's pretty clear but there is that that is the work of the, that is the freedom one of the great ways of the freedom of the spirit within us that we are not dependent on our own instincts and impulses and desires to just go with what we say go we we have a higher guidance in the power of the spirit the very power of god that conquered sin and death so that just because we feel it or think it or say it in the moment does not mean we do it or say it or act on it. That's, that's freedom. And, and we, as Paul then goes on, we now of Christ, we celebrate because we in Him, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, that's a good correction. You often hear, you know, well, if that's your passion, go for it. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for what's your passion. Let's, let's, but wait a minute. This isn't about your passion. This is about your passion that God has given to you. And it's a hard job. I know in the midst of this time, in the midst of our, this, the flesh and the spirit within us and that we, in our weakness and our rebellion, we can go back and forth and our lack of faith and all the rest. I've got a passion, but is this passion of God or is it of me? Now, a day will come when we will know it clearly at every moment because we'll be before him. But there are times in this stage that we can be sure this is God's passion and we're wrong. We, we are not cured of sin totally and completely while we are in this space. But we will be when He appears and we're given our glorified bodies. 
Amen. Looking forward to that day. So we are on this journey in our unique calling and personality to pursue God's passion as it intersects our unique self. And He has given us His Holy Spirit in order to grow in maturity in Him. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Spirit at work within you and me. It doesn't happen overnight, just like fruit doesn't grow overnight. It's not just in the snap of a finger. It does take time. It does take work. It does take effort. But the key point in all this, there's no earning. You're not, you're not accomplishing something in your own capacity. No, you're learning to live in the Spirit who is within us. Just like Jesus had to. When you go back to the beginning of Luke, Jesus had to grow in wisdom. Had to grow in the ways of the Spirit. So too do we. So what, what, what's Paul then saying with this? What, we're, you're not earning or accomplishing God's pleasure. You have God's pleasure. You have His full love. You, you have been, we have been set free from sin and death. That's who we are. Our challenge is to live into who God has created us to be. So as th- this week, what I challenge you to do is be, be aware of the spirit within you. Who will bring to mind the ways that the flesh is taking over? He will also bring to mind the ways that the fruit of the spirit is being born in your life. What, what I don't want you to do, I don't want you to go try harder to stop the flesh. I don't want you to try harder and go to bear fruit of the Spirit. What I, what I want you to do is run to the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Okay, if, if nothing more, this week, every morning, and then every noon and at night, all right, Holy Spirit, I am wide open to your leading this day. That's a dangerous prayer. I am wide open to your leading this day. Now, and if, if, if that's not your prayer, you're not there. Well, that would be a lie for me to say that. Okay, good. I appreciate your honesty. Then make this your prayer. I want to be wide open to your Holy Spirit. And if you're not there, then I want to want to want your whole, to be wide open to your Holy Spirit. Because you know somewhere in your mind and your soul that the Spirit is truly brings you to freedom. And any other way of living is captivity. Slavery. And He longs to lead us into the way of freedom. And, and, and on top of that, I mean, that's, that's what the church is to be. We're we're to be now a a community where we help one another. We encourage, strengthen one another to live into the ways of the Spirit. I might also say it's a great place that the Spirit reveals to us our sin. That that we see our own rebellion. We see the ways of the flesh at work, even in our relationships with one another. But the church is to be that Spirit-empowered community that helps one another to live into the fullness of life. 
with Christ. Where the fruit of the Spirit in us as a field of God's work is cultivated by our relationships with God and our relationships with one another. Let us live this week. Let us take steps. Live in the beauty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Amen.